Why do we exist? Were we created with a purpose? Or are we just here by chance? What are we to believe about life, faith, and worldview? Welcome to the Universe Next Door, focusing on answers to the questions we all consider. The Universe Next Door is sponsored by the C.S. Lewis Society and Trinity College of Florida and supported through gifts from listeners just like you. Discover more resources and continue the conversation at apologetics.org. And now your host, the research professor of Bible and theology at Trinity College of Florida, author and speaker, Dr. Tom Woodward. Welcome to the Universe Next Door, where today we are again setting sail in the both the physical and also the worldview universe. We've talked many times about the name of our program being rooted in a fantastic overview of the major conceptions, the major ways of viewing the world, the Weltanschauung. And I don't know if I'm doing the perfect pronunciation in German. Bill, is my German okay for you? Uh, as, as close as I would imagine it would be in my head if I wasn't three generations removed from <laughs> <Okay>. Germany. <laughs> well, we have with us a guy who probably knows 10,000 times more about the whole history of the development of a worldview concept. But the Christian worldview is a coherent system that does an amazing job, a spectacular job that meets the highest academic standards and credentials of the, the tops, uh, you know, the, the leading scholars and philosophy, science, uh, the historian, uh, I think, can weigh in here, too. But uh, the, the whole book, uh, The Universe Next Door, which I make required reading when I do uh, world religions uh, for my mentor, James Sire. Uh, by the way, he was not against us using the, the name of his book when we renamed our program. But we have with us another, uh, just a giant in the world of philosophy. And I'll just limit my comment to that. I'll try not to get too gushy. But I'm very thankful to God for the life, the writing, the scholarship, the teaching, and the living of the Christian life. The, um, the, the what Kierkegaard talked about, the life view, I think, of mm. knowing and then doing, responding with a heart that is cleaving, that is sticking tight to Jesus day and night. Uh, what a privilege it is for me to welcome back my dear friend from Dallas Seminary, who went on uh, to have just tremendous opportunities and just a really fruitful time there at Biola, uh, as he teaches uh, master's students, doctoral students, all kinds of students in the galaxy that we call the modern-day Harvard, and that is Biola University in L.A. Thank you for joining us again, Dr. J.P. Moreland. Great to be with you this week, and uh, I'm looking forward to our time together. Yeah, thank you for your contributions throughout your 90-plus books. Uh, the, I, I feel like uh, we need 10 programs, but we'll limit it to this second program. And thank you for carving out the time in your oh, incredible, incredibly busy schedule. So the book we began our discussion of last week is just, I'm holding it in my hands again. It is um, a, a, just a marvel. It's a miracle book. And you told about the effort of many, both in England and the U.S., to put this together. And if you would just explain uh, for those who couldn't join us last week, and just in a nutshell, um, Biologos, a group of scholars, have said uh, through the last 10 or so years, after the uh, under Francis Collins and some others, uh, Daryl Falk, as they launched their website and their ministry, uh, to, to convince Christians not to critique, not to question or reject Darwinian evolution. And they, they have some of their own issues going on. I'm not going to get into that. But um, many people, especially if they've listened to that side of the equation, that side of the of the you know promulgation of theistic evolution may have not understood 
that there is really some problems scientifically that even the theistic evolutionists need to face. Would you agree with that? Not only would I agree with it, I think that they are actually deal breakers. They're so significant and numerous. Mm. What we try to show in this 1,000-page book that brings together 12 or so uh, university professors from all over Europe, Germany, Finland, the U.K., and uh, 12 to 14 uh, top uh, scholars from North America, each writing in his or her own area of expertise, we try to demonstrate that you are not forced to have to opt for theistic evolution if you're going to be a person of intellectual integrity, which means revising the Bible again, there we go again, uh, because science dictates to us. No, uh, for one thing, there are, there are so many scientific problems with the, with the naturalistic theory of evolution that it, there, it is not rationally obligatory that to accept it. You can be rational and uh, in full touch with all the scientific evidence and say that I do not think this is a reasonable option. I believe intelligent design theory is more explains more of the facts and is more reasonable than Dar- Darwinism. Secondly, there are huge philosophical problems. Uh, that uh, the BioLogos people uh, and theistic evolutionists simply cannot answer and don't face. And then finally, the theological and biblical critique in our book is just devastating. Mm. Um, What we demonstrate is that uh, all the attempts to come up with different revisions of the early chapters of Genesis just do not harmonize with the text, and that there are uh, 12 to 13 central Christian doctrines that you have to give up uh, if you're going to buy this theistic evolutionist view. And so for those three reasons, uh, a person who wants to have intellectual integrity but be faithful to Scripture isn't faced with having to choose. Hmm. You can have intellectual integrity, not revise and engage in revisionism with regard to Scripture, and adopt a very, very defensible view called intelligent design. And one more thing, Tom, this book is an attempt to get the word out. Mm. We have to get the word out about this, because we have scientists and engineers in our churches who have never heard a substantial case uh, for intelligent design and against the evolution. Mm. And so they feel trapped. And we want to get the word out that there is a robust third option available. Wow. Today with us, Dr. J.P. Moreland. He is a senior professor at the not only a highest rank at Biola, where he's taught for uh, over two decades, but also even as a guest lecturer anywhere in the United States and around the world. Dr. Moreland, you probably have lectured all over Europe and you know, many places in the world. Is it, uh, and you said that this is one of the more significant books that you've worked on. Did I understand that right? You did understand that. Uh, there, I, uh, I and the others had a deep sense of the Holy Spirit's calling mm. to work on this. But we all had projects we were working on. There are like 27 authors in this thing. Wow. And every single one said, I'm setting aside my research uh, in order to be a part of this book, because this is bigger than all of us. This is too important. We're in 
to something that's bigger than any one of us, mm. and mm. we humbly surrender to the Lord, and we simply offer this as a gift for Him to use for His kingdom. And I tell you, you get authors with that kind of spirit, mm. and and boy, there there is effort and power in this book mm. that comes from the attitudes, much less the intellectual gifting wow. of the authors that contributed. We have a feeling of destiny about this book, mm. and we believe that it could be a game changer if enough people read it. Wow. Well, you know, from our point of view, Dr. J.P. Moreland as co-author, uh, you know, at least in terms of several of the essays and in your specialty of philosophy, philosophy of mind, philosophy of science, especially, of course, in those areas. But I, to me, I mean, I, to me, this is a, a, a book that seeks in, with total integrity to explain to anyone who would listen why creation is a mm-hmm. doctrine that needs not be even going within a million light years of surrender. To, no, absolutely to, not. To, to You're Darwin, absolutely right, to Darwin, you know, uh, go, yes. go, go ahead and take us into maybe one, if people say, for example, well, I've heard that the genetics between chimps and humans is so close. I've been dipping a little bit into the part of the volume dealing with that. If you, as in, I know this is not necessarily your specialty, but as one of the editors uh, and, and one who te- keeps his, his uh, hand on the pulse of this debate, wouldn't you say that there are some rejoinders that we can give? I have one or two in my mind, but what would you say if a well, student raised I, his I, hand? Yes, I, I think that, that one of the things people don't understand is that quantity of similarity of genes is, is not the issue here. It is the way they function, it's the role that they play, it is the different uh, things that they produce in terms of body plan. And so uh, to evaluate genetic relationships between species, it's not enough just to count heads. Hmm. That's a very simplistic way of going about it, because um, uh, genes have a function within a larger context, mm-hmm. and um, it's, it's those things that are radically different, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, that is not taken into account by just counting noses as to mm-hmm. what percentage we have in common. That, right. that would be one thing I would mention. Right. Very good. And, well, let's go back in. We, if we could jump in, we have about just a half a minute in this, uh, in this segment. Uh, so if you were to... Um, just uh, give one word, you know, like a 30-second blurb. Why should people read this volume and, and prioritize it? How, how important is it? Because their kids and their grandkids are at stake. Mm. Barna showed that one of the six reasons millennials are leaving the church is because of problems between the Bible and science. It wasn't bad small groups or poor worship music. It was the church was not explaining how to relate the Bible to science. This book will help to save your children and grandchildren and those who leave the church for wrong reasons. Wow. And I want to add a P.S. to that when we get back. That is a huge point. Thank you, Dr. J.P. Moreland, for joining us today. We're going to have to take a quick break here on The Universe Next Door. Stay with us as we plumb the depths of this bombshell, Theistic Evolution, a scientific, philosophical, and theological critique. We'll be right back. Jesus stood before a grave and declared, 
I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Shocking words. Eternal life through Christ? Jesus made many bold claims. He said he was the Messiah, eternal God who had become man. He taught that his death and resurrection would destroy death and offer forgiveness to all. C.S. Lewis himself, as an atheist teacher at Oxford, struggled with Christ's claims, but in 1931 became convinced that Christianity was true. He turned to Christ and eventually became a witness to millions through books and articles. Lewis's insights on Christ are captured in a delightful essay, What Are We to Make of Jesus Christ? You can read it today at apologetics.org when you click the link Lewis and Aslan. And for your gift of any amount at apologetics.org, we'd like to offer you this resource. It's Lee Strobel's DVD offering two talks on the power of Christ's resurrection. Strobel shares his journey to faith and the evidence that Christ is alive. Make your gift of any amount today at apologetics.org and receive a Lee Strobel DVD as our gift to you. Again, that website is apologetics.org. If you'd like to contact us by email, the address is information at apologetics.org. Welcome back to The Universe Next Door, focusing on questions of life, faith, and worldview. You can learn more about this program and tap into further resources at apologetics.org. And now your host, the research professor of Bible and theology at Trinity College of Florida, author and speaker, Dr. Tom Woodward. Welcome back to The Universe Next Door. I am beyond delighted to be hanging out uh, over the phone at the other end of the country here uh, in Tampa Bay. We're privileged to, of course, teach uh, the area of apologetics, to share, to encourage, to offer the opportunity for people to turn and receive the gift of eternal life and forgiveness by putting their trust, their weight, their dependence upon the one, the only one who uh, provides a way out from the just uh, the cancer, the, the viral spread of not only the sin that we've done, but the judgment that comes with it. And I'm just really privileged to have with me this week. It's a dream come true here on The Universe Next Door to have J.P. Moreland. J.P., I know this, I'll try not to get too far into this, but we don't have C.S. Lewis himself with us around in the world, but we have uh, John Lennox, we have Lee Strobel, we've had a number of interviews with him, I know Peter Kraft and so forth. We want to have him on our program this year, but thank you for taking your time to be with us. It's an honor. It is a privilege for me. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you so much for also contributing to such an important book. Theistic Evolution is the book. It's a big white volume, and uh, it makes a good doorstop. Ha ha. It does. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't, it's not that heavy. I mean, in terms of the weight, I think it's maybe a pound. And a half. Well, you could kill the neighbor's barking dog. At, at 10 <laughs> yeah, we don't, we don't want to go there. At, at least we can, uh, <laughs> you know, kill some ants and the uh, crawl oh, across. Right, kill or, some ants. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So. So, Theistic Evolution has the subtitle of Scientific, Philosophical, and Theological Critique. And you have made a contribution at two levels. You've written two, I think I counted at least two important essays. Mm -hmm. And one of them I want to get into really quickly here. We have uh, plenty of time to dive into that. But you also helped to edit it, to oversee, to work in your area especially. And uh, let me just mention, besides yourself, Stephen Meyer which is, who yeah. is no stranger to this program. He's been with us maybe a dozen or more times. The great Stephen Meyer co-editor. Wayne Grudem, fantastic. 
I had yes. the privilege to, to work all side by side with our own Dr. Eric Bargerhuff, who was mentored in his doctoral program at Trinity at TEDS by Wayne Grudem. Wayne Grudem and I met at that same uh, wonderful gathering in Budapest, Hungary, near Budapest. Yes. And Chris Shaw, Christopher Shaw. I don't know that much about him. Is he, is his area a uh, theology? Uh, no, he's a scientist, oh, he's at, a scientist. A, at a university in the UK. Fantastic. And uh, he's an ID mm-hmm. scientist in uh, the UK and that was uh, wrote an important article in this book. Very good. Well, if I could just sort of, you know, tantalize the, the yes. exciting um, anticipation. Um, let me just read a couple of these essays, if I could. Evidence from Embryology challenges mm-hmm. evolutionary theory. Sheena Tyler, don't know uh, that much about her. Our own friend Jonathan Wells, known for icons of evolution and the new, mm-hmm. um, so, let's see, zombie science. That's right. Yeah, we need to have him on, Bill, uh, talking about his book, Zombie Science. He has an incredible article, very important, why DNA mutations cannot accomplish what neo-Darwinism requires. And then uh, I could go in uh, digital evolution, predictions of design by our friend Winston Ewart and many uh, Douglas Axe, author of the incredible book Undeniable. We've interviewed Douglas Axe, but he he offers in his article three good reasons for people of faith to reject Darwin's explanation of life. Wow. And I'm just I'm just getting into the left side of the tip of the iceberg because we're diving now, uh, J.P. Moreland, into your contribution you have two contributions, uh, but uh, I would li- love you to zoom in on the one that is entitled, uh, it's chapter 21 in this book, How Theistic Evolution Kicks Christianity Out of the Plausibility Structure and Robs Christians of Confidence that the Bible is a Source of Knowledge. Yes, what's, what's, yes. That, what's that about? Oh, it's huge, Tom. Um, first of all, uh, knowledge is what gives people the authority to speak and act in public. Uh, I will give a dentist uh, the right to act in certain ways, putting his hands in my mouth, that I will not get an, give an insurance salesman, not because the dentist has deeply held the beliefs and sings worship music about molars, but because he actually has knowledge. And so you, the way, it is knowledge, not mere belief, even mere true belief, that gives authority. And the question is, does the Bible give us knowledge of reality and of the, of the central themes that it discusses, or does it simply give us truths, hopefully, that we have to accept by blind faith? Well, it, I believe it gives us knowledge. And, and then there's a plausibility structure that any culture has which means that if something is in the plausibility structure, people will come and would be willing to hear you make a case for it. So um, near-death experiences being real, there may be a lot of people that don't believe in them, but it's in the plausibility structure. They'd be willing to watch a program on Dateline NBC and listen to the evidence. Now, a flat earth is not in the plausibility structure. Uh, Theistic evolution pushes Christianity outside the plausibility structure. And here's, and this is ironic, because people who advocate theistic evolution believe they're helping people, because they're trying to keep them from having unnecessary uh, hoops to jump through, namely having to choke down some kind of creation, in order to embrace the gospel. So if you can lower the 
all the different hoops people have to go through, that it, it greases the skids and makes it easier for them to accept Jesus as Savior. In fact, it actually does the opposite, because what happens is that theistic evolution is a revision of what the Church has always believed and of what most people say, see pretty clearly in the text. And if you revise it one time, and then you revise it again when it comes to the... To, you know, we don't have a soul, we're just our brains. The Bible never really taught we had a soul. And then, and then it, uh, homosexuality, well, listen, you know, the, the Bible was addressing temple prostitution, homosexuals, not what we have today. And so uh, theistic evolution is an example of constantly revising the Bible when it comes into conflict, supposedly, with science. And as Carl Guyberson says, uh, who's a theistic evolution, so, uh, evolutionist, science is by far our most secure epistemic approach to reality. In other words, it gives us far more certain knowledge than theology or anything else. Whoa. Well, so by adopting theistic evolution, what you're doing is sending a message, and it's this. Whenever scripture or theology contradicts or conflicts with what the majority of scientists are telling us we have to believe, we have to revise the Bible and, and bring it up to speed. And that makes people think, well, gosh, what about the stuff I believe right now? What if in 20 years scientists tell us that we've got to revise that again? So how, how confident can I actually be in the Bible? Mm-hmm. So that the theistic evolutionist actually uh, creates a view of the Christian religion where accepting it and accepting the teachings of Scripture has to be an act of just a blind leap in the dark, an act of choosing mm-hmm. to have faith without being supported by any rational grounds. Mm-hmm. And so I believe that what we need to do is to say, wait a minute, no, the Bible is a source of knowledge. <clears throat> and uh, intelligent design theory digs its heels in and says, we don't need to revise the Bible. Uh, uh, scientists need to revise evolution. Yes. Because uh, there's, there's plenty of evidence against it. Right. I've well, got a very interesting story to tell you about that if you have a second. Well, we have actually, maybe we could bring you in uh, maybe later in the fall. For that story. Um, maybe, All right, I'd love to do okay, that. Okay, because I know you're heading out of out of town. But let me just go ahead and say that it has been a privilege for me to be with one of my dear friends from uh, years past when we were in graduate school in Dallas together, uh, Dr. J.P. Moreland. Uh, Dr. J.P. Moreland, do you have a, a, a certain website people could go to find out more about your work? Um, well, you know, I don't do much with it. Hmm. It's, uh, you know, I just look up J.P. Moreland website, hmm. okay. but uh, I'm not one of those guys that does much. I okay. think yeah. just browsing Amazon or going to to the uh, Talbot faculty website, mm-hmm. and you can look at my CV and very, see what I've done on very that. Very good, very good. And, of course, over 90 books contributed to or authored by or co-authored by J.P. Moreland. Uh, he is a, a treasure. He is one of the C.S. Lewis figures of our day. And would you agree, J.P., that the greatest uh, information that we could ever share or do an apologetic defense of is that God has stooped down to take our sins upon his His own shoulders in the person of Christ? And was, oh, there's nothing like it. There, there's no other game in town, my friend. Yes. Christ arose. The eyewitness evidence is compelling. 
And if you, uh, as I was telling my apologetics class today, if you see at the first Corinthians 15, the message there of the gospel was not only I witnessed, but you can trace it back as Gary Habermas does a friend and a former uh, program, pro- program guest. And it goes right back to the very door of the event itself yeah. in yeah. 30 in the early mid thirties. It's an exciting opportunity to have you, Dr. J.P. Morland. Can I close in prayer for you? Thank you, Father, for this day, for this breakthrough of this amazing book. Put all of your blessings, load up, Lord, infinite, wonderful, infinitely powerful, and incredibly wonderful blessings on everyone hearing this program and give an extra dose to JP and his family as they serve you, love you, and teach of you with all the strength that you give. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you for having me. And thank you for listening to The Universe Next Door. You've been listening to The Universe Next Door with Dr. Tom Woodward, sponsored by the C.S. Lewis Society and Trinity College of Florida, and supported through the gifts of listeners just like you. To gather more resources, continue the conversation, and to support The Universe Next Door with your financial gifts, go to apologetics.org. That's apologetics.org. And join us again next time as we continue to seek the truth about life, faith, and worldview in The Universe Next door.